All right, so look at verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. And tonight we're going to continue talking about lessons learned in 2020 or a 2020 view of 2020. And, um, you know, this this morning we talked about just a lot of the different lessons I learned, all really things that we already knew, but yet we know them a little better now. We see them a little more clearly. We understand why God said to do the things that he said to do. And many of these things we're going to talk about tonight, again, these are things that I think we already kind of knew to a certain extent, but at the same time, uh, I think we know them a little bit better now. But again, in looking back on 2020, we can definitely see where we could have improved on some things and done a little bit better. And so uh, one thing that, and I mentioned this a little bit this morning, but uh, this was a very challenging year for pastors across the board. You know, I don't think any pastor enjoyed making a lot of decisions that they had to make. And uh, one thing that this year said it's been bad in a lot of ways, but one year way that this year was bad is when it came to, you know, drama and clashes between churches that, you know, let's, let's not pretend we haven't noticed anything. All right. Let's not pretend that there hasn't been any contention anywhere and uh, hard feelings and things that uh, didn't go well, maybe friendships that ended or are strained. And uh, there, there's no doubt that happened. And if you all follow things in the online world, you know that stuff's going on, all right? Do we, we're not going to pretend like it's not happening and that there are, there are issues out there. And so, uh, you know, with as many different ways as there were that people handled things and as pastors handled things, you know, the one thing, I, and I mentioned this this morning, I think we can safely assume is every pastor had the best of intentions when it came to their decisions. And now if we want to play the mind reading game and do that whole thing, well, I think he was thinking this when he did that. You know, you can do that if you want, but you're just going to reveal your wicked heart. The truth is you can't read people's minds. You don't know what was in their head. You know how many people we had just, you know, and and I'm not talking about amongst our friends or anything like that, but people who were talking about these churches that are just staying open because they just want the money because they can't pass the offering plate. That was one of the things they brought up. But let me tell you something. This year, like even the people uh, who didn't come, you know what? Nobody stopped giving. Nobody stopped giving even when they weren't coming this year. You know how easy it would be to pastor a church that nobody comes to but everybody's giving to? That would be super easy. You know, and because we were doing a lot more online and stuff, I mean, we had more people giving online. That really makes it easy. I mean, they send their money and you don't get any of their drama and headaches. I mean, you can't beat that. I mean, this this was the year if we really wanted to just make it all about online stuff, we could have done it and really brought in the dough and made things easy. But I know for me, and when it came to our church, my thing was, I was like, I'm finally full-time at the church. And it's like, how can I, you know, be getting a full-time check while not ministering to the people in this church? And I just didn't feel like I could minister to you all appropriately online. I, I didn't feel that way. And I felt like I was cheating everybody if, you know, if we did. That's, that's how I felt for me in our situation. And so, you know, you had the bozos out there that just accuse you of things and just come up with stuff. And, and But, you know, that was my thinking on it. And when it comes to other pastors, I don't really know what they're thinking. I really don't care. It really doesn't matter. I wasn't in their situation. I'm not the pastor of their church. I, I really don't know. It doesn't matter. You know, And I, but I do think most pastors, if they had 2020 to do over again, there's probably some things they would do differently. But, you know, that doesn't even mean, and there's things I would probably do differently. That doesn't mean I regret my decisions because when you stop and think about what we had to go on, what we knew and what we didn't know, you know, you can't blame people for some of the choices they made. I know a lot of pastors that have said if they had it, you know, if if it happened again, they wouldn't close their doors again. But at the same time, they'll tell you they don't regret closing their doors because they didn't know. You know, they didn't know what they were up against. 
And so, and, and I don't think they ought to feel bad about this, their decision. I, I think they did the best they could with the information that they had. So we can all play the finger pointing game and, you know, we all we want, but that's not what we're going to do tonight because I'm not really interested in teaching you all what other churches should have done. Okay? That's not what we're going to do tonight. Okay. For the drama seekers that watch us online, you know, looking to see who I'm going to snipe tonight. Okay. Uh, go watch a different sermon. This isn't the place, uh, to listen to some sniping. They're going on in other churches. We're not going to do that. What we're going to do is talk about what we need to do different in 2021 in relation to other churches. Because, folks, I have always been a fellowshipper, if that's a proper word. I like to fellowship. I like to get around other preachers. I like to have preachers come in and preach. I like going and preaching for other people. I love going to conferences, meetings. I love it. I've always done it. I do it all I can. I mean, if I get invited, when I get invited to anything, I'm not talking to preach. I'm talking to go listen. I, I pretty much go if it's within driving distance, if I'm able to fit it in my schedule. I love going to meetings. I, I went to several meetings this year, uh, just in Illinois. I uh, went to church planners one I've gone to, I think, the last three years. Some of you guys went with me. We went to Tent Revival in Iowa. Um, I don't even know what all we went to, but I enjoy doing that type of thing. I always have. And I always, and I, fully plan to continue fellowshipping with the brethren. I don't ever want to stop doing it. I love it. It's a blessing to me, and I hope it's a blessing to other people. But at the same time, I do think there needs to be some things that we do a little bit different going forward. And so one of the things we're going to do different going forward is we are going to increase in love towards other churches while minding our own business even more. Now, notice what it said here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse 9. He's talking about brotherly love. And he's not just talking about brotherly love amongst their own congregation, but he's bringing up there to all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we receive you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. He wanted them loving brothers in other cities and other places. He wanted them thinking about them. He wanted them to be a blessing to them. And you know, when it comes to our brothers, it's not just about who makes up a part of this church. We're not just about, you know, the church and, you know, what uh, makes us look good, which is people in our church, which is people that give towards our church. No, we're about Christianity as a whole. And I'm thankful for brothers and sisters all over this country, all over the world. I'm thankful for people that I know that are in other countries that are trying to get churches started and are getting uh, soul winning groups together. I think about these people. I was messaging a guy the other day. There's a whole bunch of people over in Switzerland that have been getting together and they, uh, you know, and they go, they go sewing together. They preach to each other. You know what? I thank God for them. And you know what? I pray often that the Lord will send pastors to these places and they can get churches established. You know why? Because I want them to have real fellowship. In, in 2019, when I got to go to Ireland and I was able to preach over there and there was people really from all over Europe, several people from England, a lot of other European countries, you know, there's Ireland, Northern Ireland, there's Switzerland. Uh, I, I don't even remember all the countries that were there. Scotland, all these different people there. And I just remember seeing the fellowship that was going on there. And man, let me tell you, these people were eating it up. They were loving it. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, this is every week at our church. And I was just thinking, man, how much I would love it if they could have something like that over there all the time. I, I would love that. That would be great. And let me tell you, I care about these people. I think about them. I communicate with some of them every now and then. I'm hearing they might be getting a church started over in England pretty soon. And you know what? I pray that it happens. And I pray that it succeeds. I want good things to happen there because, you know, I, I love these people. I've, I've got to go soulning with some of them. They believe the same gospel that we do. They're preaching the right doctrine. They're getting people saved. And you know what? I just can't help but love these people. I can't help it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, my family, my physical family that I hardly know. They're in places like Missouri. When I get around these people, you know, I just care. You know, I've got a, a uh, second cousin that I'm friends with on social media that, you know, is not saved, is not living for the Lord, and it is very apparent by the stuff that they post. And, and it's also very apparent that they're not very happy at all. And you know what? It bothers me and it grieves me. I don't even know this guy. I haven't even seen him since he was a little kid. But you know what? I know he's my family. I know his dad. 
and therefore I care very much what happens to him. You know, and, and listen, he's a bad dude. But it's my family. I care very much. And you know, when it comes to other Christians in other places, they're my brothers. I care very much. God wants us to increase in that. You know, I want us to increase in our love of the brethren. But here's what we also need to do along with that. He goes on in verse 11, and that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, that you may have lack of nothing. You know what I don't want to happen is as we fellowship and as we get to know more people, that all of a sudden we become a drama-filled church because we're worried about what everybody else is doing all the time. We're always worried about, you know, this person's music and how this person's dressing and how, you know, what this person's saying and what's his position on this doctrine. And we're all getting all caught up in what's happening in other churches that don't affect us at all. I mean, these things, they don't affect our church. They don't hurt our church. But yet we see things happening in other churches that it's just causing turmoil all over the place. I mean, people leaving their church over something that happened in another church. It's like, are you out of your mind? I think we need to study to be quiet and to do our own business and to work with your own hands. You know, there's plenty of work for us to do around here. There's plenty of souls for us to win around here that we don't need to be worrying about somebody's method of soul winning somewhere else. And, and What if they're doing things wrong? I, you know what? It's not my problem. I don't want to be burdened. With that problem, God is not called. I have not been called to deal with that problem. But you know what I have been called to do is to love my brothers. And I, I get it. It's one thing if it's some goofball Baptist church teaching a false gospel. But it's another thing if it's a church preaching the right gospel that just does some stuff different than we do. Their soul winning times are different than our soul winning times. You know, it, we're, we're not going to get caught up in that stuff. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes we do. And sometimes I have. I'm not, I'm not going to get up here. Again, I'm not pointing the fingers at anybody else. I'm pointing the fingers here. You know what? We've gotten our nose in stuff that it shouldn't have been in before. In the history of our church and in the history of my preaching and myself and the online world, I've stuck my nose where it didn't belong. And, you know, you can't undo it. But you know what we can do? We can learn from it and say, you know, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to mind our own business. You know, I think we take for granted the freedom that we have as Christians to mind our own business. It's a great privilege. And let me because let me tell you something. Hate is way more tiring and stressful than love is. You know, when was the last time you got a warm, fuzzy feeling because you hated somebody? It just it doesn't happen. I get it. We need to hate some people sometimes, and there is you know, hate has its place. But let me tell you where hate doesn't have its place with the brethren. It does not have its place with the brethren. Listen, it takes way more effort to fix other people's problems, especially when we don't have any jurisdiction. Way more than it does to fix our own problems. It's hard to fix our own problems, isn't it? But at least we're here. It's our jurisdiction. It's our place. God can use us. God can bless us. But when we're trying to fix all these problems in other churches, not our jurisdiction, not our place. Not our problem. God's not going to help us. You know, we're going to help ourselves do. We're going to help ourselves get ulcers. We're going to help ourselves, you know, just get involved in things we shouldn't be getting into. And we're going to have all kinds of trouble and turmoil that we shouldn't have. Romans chapter 13, verse 8 says, Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And let me tell you something. You're not going to be able to help anybody that you have not proven and you have not shown that you love first. If you actually do want to help somebody, it helps a lot if you have a track record of loving them and caring for them. It it helps a lot. You know, I've got a lot of friends that have gone trendy. And if you all don't realize this yet, I'm not a big fan of trendies. I'm not a big fan of going trendy. I've got a lot of friends that have gone trendy. I would never preach for these guys. I would preach for them, you know, as long as they let me preach. But I, I wouldn't let them preach for me. I wouldn't let them preach for me. But you know what? That doesn't mean I can't love these guys and still be nice to them. I can do that. You know, they're not trying to stop me from doing what we're doing. They're not, you know, they're not hurting my spiritual walk. And if I just want to be nice and loving towards them, I can do that. You know, because, you know, let me tell you something about my trendy friends. They know where I stand on the trendy isms. Okay, they know where I stand on that stuff. 
They are well aware of the fact that I am against skinny jeans, that when I see them in skinny jeans, I don't need to call them a homo. They, they know what I think. They, you know, they're, they're well aware of my position. I don't need to throw insults at them because they do not dare live up to my dress standards for them. Now, listen, when it comes to the, you know, the issue of skinny jeans, I'm right. I'm right. They shouldn't wear it. But at the same time, I, I don't, because they have not submitted to my authority, I have proclaimed that I have. Doesn't mean I now have to hate these guys and be mean to them. We've got enough work to do here. We don't need to take on the burden of critiquing everyone else's work. And let me tell you this too. You know, as somebody who's been pastoring for a while and known a lot of preachers for a long time, if you actually want to have an impact on me, if you, if, or if you just want to give me a good severe gut punch, the best way to do it, the, the worst gut punches I've ever received from preachers that have caused me to reflect, even when I was right, even when I walked away, like, you know, I was still right, but one that hurt me, caused me to think and reflect on my position, it's come from those who had a track record of loving me and caring about me when they called me and told me the issue that they had with me. That, you know, even when I'm convinced I'm right, Nobody likes it when somebody that, that you love and somebody that you know loves you calls you to tell you where you're out of line. It never feels good. You know, it doesn't feel good getting rebuked by people like that. You know, it hurts pretty good sometimes, even when you're right. But, you know, when somebody just goes and just out of the blue makes a YouTube video against you, then it's just like you can just all of a sudden then claim persecution. Nut job. You know, I mean, you know, phony. Didn't even say anything to me. It's like, what in the world? You know, it, it, they, it's real easy to do it and just brush it off as something like that. And then once you do something that public like that too, pride sets in. You're not getting anywhere with anybody. But when you do things one-on-one, when you call somebody up first and deal with it the way men deal with things, you know what? It's, it, it has a way bigger effect. You actually have a chance of maybe winning somebody over. And just keep that in mind, okay? If you're having a problem with somebody in church, I recommend you try to settle it with each other before you go lambast them on Facebook. Good luck after that. You know why? Because a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. You're probably not restoring that friendship. And let me tell you something about a lot of the rebukes that have been out there. I don't think they're intended to restore friendships. I don't think they're intended. This is just my opinion. I don't think they're intended to just help people make things right. You know, I think they're intended to hurt and you know what? I mean, I guess that's fine if other people want to do that, but I'm not interested in it. I, I don't want to do it, and I'm embarrassed by any part I've ever had in anything like that. It's, it's not a good. It's not a good thing. So we are going to increase in love while increasing on minding our own business. Okay. Now listen, if, if you want a good drama fest, if you want to hear me just get up and rail on somebody, you know, on a Sunday night, if, if you like that type of thing, I'm sorry, but um, you're probably going to have to go somewhere else to get that show. That, that, that's, I'm not interested in it. And so um, just move on, okay, because it's, you know, you're, you're going to waste your time waiting for that. So turn over to John chapter 21. This is another very famous mind your own business passage. Any sermon about minding your own business is going to go to John chapter 21. But I want to point out something in this situation, that in this passage, I think is very, very important on why it's important that you mind your own business too. But it says in John 21, 18, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldst. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. This is Jesus talking to Peter. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, this is talking about John, the one he sees, uh, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? So I'm going to die. What about John? Now, I don't know why he all of a sudden got worried about John. But Peter, for some reason, he acted like a Baptist, and instead of just focusing on what Jesus told him, he got worried about John. He got worried about the other guy. 
You know, that's kind of weird. You know, it would be like the Lord came to us and said, all right, this terrible thing's going to happen to your church. And we're like, what about that church next door? Are you going to do anything to them? <laughs> I mean, that's not really our problem, is it? That's not, that's not really of our place. But that's kind of what Peter does. And so notice what happens here. So it says, uh, Peter saying, or verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Okay? You're basically telling Peter, this is none of your business. If I want him to tarry until I return, until I come, not your problem. It has nothing to do with you. You know what? Here, This is what has to do with you. Follow me. This is what I've commanded you to do. I commanded you, Peter, to follow me, and you're worried about John. Now watch this. Then went the saying abroad among the brethren that, this, that the disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? So when people heard this, they got the wrong idea about the message that God said to Peter about John. And a saying was going around that John wasn't going to die. But notice who is writing John is the one that Jesus was talking about. And then John, who Jesus was talking about, says, This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. The, so notice that when Jesus was speaking about John, that John understood what Jesus was talking about. You know why? Because he was talking about him. But everybody else got the wrong idea. Because you know why? What Jesus said was not about them. It was not for them. It was about John, and it was to Peter. And people, the peanut gallery that heard what was going on, you know what? They got the wrong idea. And you're going to find out that that is a very normal thing when you start trying to focus on things that are out of your area, that are not your place, that are out of your jurisdiction. You know what? You're going to get the wrong idea. You don't, you don't know. We don't know what all is going on in other churches. We don't know what's going on in all these situations. When we hear stuff that's going on in other churches, often we only get one side. We don't know. And a lot, but a lot of times we hear things. You know, and when, and when it comes to the new IFB world, there are so many people out there just constantly making videos, trying to expose everything in the new IFB. And, I mean, do we really think we can trust all these people? Do we really think all these people are just out there just trying to get the truth out? I mean, does, I mean, does, does anybody in here really think Reason File is just out to pursue truth? After some of the things that we've seen that they put out that we just know for a fact are just wrong? But, you know, people, they will hear these things, they will listen to a clip that's out of context, they weren't in the service, they don't know why the pastor was addressing that, they don't have all the information, they have no idea what was going on, but they hear these things and they get the wrong idea, they come to a lot of wrong conclusions and they say a lot of things that are false, and the truth is, what they should have just done is said, you know what, all right, I'm hearing some weird stuff, but this is none of my business, I don't know what's going on, therefore, I will recuse myself from making a judgment. In this situation, because I don't know what's going on. And we've got to understand, we can't possibly, you know, or we need to mind our own business because we can't possibly accurately judge other people's situations. We can't do that. How in the world are we going to know what's best to do in a church that maybe most of us have never even been to, one that's on the other side of the country, one that's got different people, different situations? We can't judge these things. But yet we try to all the time. You know why? Because we live in the age of social media where everybody has a platform and everybody's got an opinion. And as long as you've got you know, followers that agree with everything you say, you start thinking you're right on things. But the truth is, we don't really know what's going on. And so it's very, see, it's, it's, we got to understand it's very easy to misunderstand things in the online world especially. You've got to understand when somebody shows you a screenshot of something, you don't know what was going on before that conversation. You don't know what was going on after that conversation. You, you can't possibly know. I've seen people before, they're trying to expose somebody because, you know, look what was said in this conversation. And then they'll show screenshots from the entire post. But here's the thing. I was actually there, saw what was going on. And there was actually other posts that that kind of picked up from. And we, you know, when you don't get the full context of things, you can't possibly make an accurate judgment. And let me tell you, what in the world makes us think we can accurately judge a scuffle between two churches, between two other pastors, and two other states. 
I mean, do we really want to do that? Are we just going to go off of one video? Are we just going to go off the word of someone we like? Or if we are going to make a judgment, should we take the time to sit down and hear out both people? Should we allow them to have take the time that even our heathen court will do, where we'll have witnesses and we'll question them, where we have some rules, and we're just going to go through all these things to just get to the bottom of everything? Do we really want to do that? Absolutely not. Do I really want to go back and watch all the sermons and see what this person said and go through screenshots of everything and check every link that they left on their YouTube video? I mean, it's amazing the amount of work some people go into just investigating people and trying to expose people. You know what? It's super weird. It takes a ton of time. And I'm not interested in it. I've not been, I've not been called to do that. I can't accurately judge these situations. And, you know, it's pretty sad when people want to just bring other people into their fight. If I'm having a problem with some other pastor somewhere else, the dumbest thing I could possibly do is to go recruit another pastor in another state in another church and then try to get him involved. When how in the world is how is he going to help? Oh, because he's got a big name and he's well respected. Yeah, but he doesn't go to your church. He wasn't there. He doesn't go to the other church. He wasn't there. Just because he's got a big name doesn't mean he can accurately judge the situation. And you know, we don't want to get roped into messing with these things. It's dangerous. It's, it's very likely that when you insert yourself in something that is not your place, where you have no jurisdiction, that you are going to regret getting in the middle of something that, you have not, that has nothing to do with you. We all know Proverbs twenty six seventeen: He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh the dog by the ears. And folks, I've taken the dog by the ears before. And you know what? You shouldn't do it. And, I, and, I'm, and literally, I haven't done it. But figuratively, like I was talking about in Proverbs here, I have done that. And you know what? You always regret it. And let me tell you, this is something. This is going to have to be one of my New Year's resolutions. Because, you know, I'm on Twitter, too. And let me tell you about Twitter. Okay? You think stuff gets bad on YouTube sometimes. You should see Twitter. Okay? Twitter, between the old IFB and the trendies, it is ridiculous. You want to talk about a circus. Just go on, you know, or a soap opera. Just go on Twitter and follow some of the people that I'm following. And let me tell you, you know, we, you know, and take your halos off. You know, you've all seen soap operas, reality shows, and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? When you watch a soap opera, you know what you want to do? You get emotionally involved. And if you could on a soap opera, you'd go in there and slap somebody, wouldn't you? Well, here's the problem with the online soap operas. We can insert ourselves in there and slap people. The problem is when we do, they slap back. And then we find ourselves a lot of times getting gang stomped by people. And then we're like, somebody explain to me why, how I got in this. How in the world did I get in the middle of this fight between the skinny dean trendy and this old IFB goofball? How did I find myself in the middle of that? Why am I getting gang stomped right now by the Twitter mob? Let me tell you, there's a mob on Twitter. There's a crazy mob on Twitter, and they right now, they are after everybody promoting the King James-only position. I mean, folks, I shouldn't tell you this. Y'all are going to get tempted. You're going to go on Twitter and go following everybody I'm following. It, it, it's bad, all right? It's a joke, and I've taken the dog by the ears in there. I've taken the dog by the ears in the YouTube world and the Facebook world, and you know what? The Bible is right. I always knew the Bible is right, but 2020 taught me that's really right. And I, I, I don't want to do it. I'm not, and you know what? You can make up any name in the world for me you want. Ah, you're just a compromiser. You're a coward. You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Hey, listen, I get it. I'm from the IFB. We've got names for everybody. Okay? Stamp all the names on me you want. At, at the end of the day, what authority does anyone outside this church have to add a label to myself, add something to my title, take away something from our church? They really don't have it. You know, it's all fake. It's all fake. It's all fluff. And we shouldn't get caught up in it. And so, again, I'm not, I'm not standing here today talking about stuff that everybody else does. I'm talking about stuff we've done. I'm talking about stuff that I've done that I've learned a lot from this year. And this is what we're going to do going forward. Just, just letting you all know this. So Matthew chapter 7, turn over there. Another thing we're going to do, we are going to judge people the way that we want to be judged. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured you again. 
And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Okay? We all know this passage. Okay? But here's something you got to understand. Especially, again, because we're focusing on things that are outside our church. Okay? We're, we're focusing, this is what we're talking about. But here's what you got to understand. People will always judge you with your own measuring stick or your perceived measuring stick. Okay? Now, do you all understand what I'm talking about when I say your perceived measuring stick? Because let me tell you something. Often, we get accused of being two-faced in our judgment because people don't always see everything that went into our judgment. You know, I, they don't know everything that, that we saw, everything that, you know, conversation we've had, how involved we're in. So when things are going on in other churches and we decide we're going to insert ourselves somewhere in there, then people are, there's going to be a perceived way that we judge that situation. Now, they're not always seeing everything, but we've got to understand that what was perceived is how we are going to be judged. Now, who likes being judged unfairly? Anybody like that? Does anybody, does, does anybody appreciate a hypocrite? Does anybody appreciate somebody who has diver's weights and diver's measures? Nobody likes that at all. We all hate that. But often the reason we get judged so harshly is because that is people's perception because they haven't seen everything. And that's why when it comes to stuff that we get involved in that's outside our church and in the online world, we got to be real careful because people don't see everything. They do not see everything. There's so much they don't know about. And we've got to take into consideration how things look and how things are perceived because, you know, we do want to be honest in how we're judging. We want to be honest and, and open about how we're doing these things. Otherwise, we're going to deal with a whole bunch of junk that we don't really want to deal with because people are going to judge you the way you judge others. That's why we don't want to be a hypocrite in our judgment. If we're going around and we're nitpicking everybody and we're pulling moats out of everybody's eyes, we can't be surprised when people are bothering us when we've got beams in our eyes. They're going to be all over us like ugly on an ape. And you say, but yeah, I had a right to go for that person's moat. Well, are you sure about that? Because, you know, I can't see that from over here. I, I can't see what all was involved in you inserting yourself in that situation in that other church. So the, so the thing is, that's why we got to ask ourselves this question. If me inserting myself somewhere where I really don't need to insert myself, where I don't have to insert myself, is going to cause all kinds of just foolishness that I'm going to have to deal with from other people that don't understand what's going on, do I really want to do that? And if you want to, go right ahead. You know, it, it, that, you know, that's up to you. If some other church wants to do that, that's fine. As long as they know they're judging accurately, as long as their church knows that they're judging right, that's fine. But, you know, I don't really feel like answering to the mob all the time and all just the crazies out there in the online world. If it's not my place, I think I'm allowed to just stay out of it. I think I'm allowed to do that, and that's what I want to do. And so we have been freed by Jesus Christ himself from the burden of judging things that are not our place to judge. All we have to do is just say, you know, I don't know this whole situation. People often too, you know, you know Pastor Tommy, what do you think about this situation? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I haven't, I haven't sat down and talked with all parties involved. I haven't taken a trip down to these churches and questioned the people in their congregations and sat down and grilled the pastor. And then I haven't gone to the other church and grilled all the people in those conversations and sat down and talked with that pastor. I haven't, I haven't uh, looked over the transcripts of all the things that have gone back and forth. I haven't watched all the videos that have been made dealing with all these things. I haven't, and, and I say all that to say that these are all the things I would have to do if I was to accurately judge the situation. Now, let me ask you, who wants to do that? Who thinks I should do that? Does anybody in here think that I have an obligation to go take trips to two different states and question all parties involved in different fights going on, what all that their side is and what all they said, what all they did, and have them you know, give me all their evidence and all their screenshots and all the you know, things that they've... They, do, I, do I really need to do that? No, that's nuts. That's absolutely nuts. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And the thing is, too, 
I'm not just going to go off of what one person says. I'm not just going to go off of one video, no matter how much they say it's a slam dunk video, slam dunk, open and shut case. You, you can't, you know, we would all throw a fit. Even our world would throw a fit if there was a major case. And or so, for example, uh, the election, if all of a sudden Trump just got up and he got his lawyer, Rudy Giuliani up and said, here's our evidence of voter fraud. This is solid. This is fact. Case closed. And then he just declares himself the winner. And then they don't allow the other side to fact check anything. They don't allow the other side, you know, to the, to defend or anything like that. They don't have a judge there. They just let the one, and, and that's how pastors are a lot of times. They get up behind the pulpit. They give their side. They don't allow the other side. And then they get to make the judgment too. Does anybody think that's going to be honest? Listen, our heathen court system is better than that. And so, you know, the thing is, I think if, unless I'm ready to, you know, if I'm going to debate somebody, I'm, I'm sick of these pulpit debates where people get to put words in your mouth and the other side is not accurately represented. I'm sick of it. And I've participated in it. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm sick of it. If we, but if we really want to have a debate, you know what I need to do? If I want to debate some nut job heretic or something like that, or, or even, even just a fellow safe pastor, I think I need to be willing to actually allow them to come here and invite them. You go make your case. I'll make my case. We'll have a moderator. We'll do some back. Does anybody think we ought to have debates in church? No. No. People would throw a fit if I got up here and I had a moderated debate with another pastor, but yet the one-sided debates are okay. Have you ever thought about that? I've thought about these are the things we think about. In 2020, because this is going on and we don't need to do that. When our eyes are completely clear and our problems are gone, then we can start working on other people's problems. But the truth is, you know, we have an inexhaustible book that we can preach from. You realize we're never going to preach everything that there is to preach from this Bible. I won't be able to get it done. I'll, I'll never run out of things to preach about. We have an inexhaustible book. And so, you know what? I really don't want to waste my time preaching response messages to foolish teachings in other churches. Okay? Now listen, if you're getting messed up in that in some stuff, if you're listening to things and dumb stuff's preaching, you're just getting swayed with every wind of doctrine, you know, we need to have some personal conversations. You know, you need some one-on-one -on -one help. But just because you're struggling with that doesn't mean the whole church is. And especially too, you know, a lot of times if I got up if I got up on a Sunday morning and I start just, you know, preaching a response message to somebody else in another state, bunch of the church wouldn't even know who I was talking about. What are they going to get out of it? You know, and I can get up and I could rail on them and say all kinds of terrible things about them. And some of you would get entertained by it. But a lot of people would just be like, why did I come to church today? Is, is that right? Is, is that what we want to do? I, I, don't, I don't think we ought to do it. Not, not really interested in it. So, um, you know, we, we don't need to respond to everything that's going on. And so, last thing we're going to do. We are going to continue to fellowship with churches that are good influences. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse one says, For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has thankful for the churches that we fellowship with that make me want to soul win more. I'm thankful for the preachers that I'm friends with that make me want to preach a little bit harder. And then make me want to stand stronger. I'm thankful for that. But you know what? At the same time, too, we're not just supposed to be an echo chamber of another church or of some movement or anything like that. You know, there's other people that I, I like to listen to just because I think I need, you know, there, there's areas where I think they're strong where I'm weak. But they've got stuff that I really like. And they have attributes that are like, there's preachers that I know. They're not the greatest, you know, orators in the world, but they're just godly people. And you know what? I want to listen to that. I want to listen to them because I want them to rub off on me. I want to hang around these people. I'm not going to enjoy the preaching as much in some of these churches as I would from some of our other friends that the preaching is just a lot better. But these are good, godly, well-balanced people. Been in the ministry for decades. They've proven themselves. And you know what? I want some of that to rub off on me. You know, I, I want some of, you know, there's preachers that are out there. Their preaching's a little more shallow than I like. It's, it's almost all topical stuff. 
motivational type thing, just get you all fired up. But you know what? Sometimes I need that. Sometimes I want that. And I like being around some of those people too. Anybody that I feel like is a good influence on me in any way, I like that person. Now, there's other people that might be a negative influence, okay? Um, you know, I'm tr- the trendies don't really have anything to offer me. I, I don't, I, you know, so I don't really spend any time with the trendies. Uh, there, there's nothing, but, you know, e- even some of the camp meeting crowd, you know, I, I look at some of that and I think, you know, we need a little bit of that. We need a little, we need, we, we maybe need to make 10% of that. We're at about 3%. You know, I think the perfect balance is, 10% of what they've got. And then we're like right about where we need to be. Uh, you know, cause we, so we gotta stay short of screaming women and I don't really want anybody doing somersaults and jumping in the baptistry or anything like that during service. But you know, you, you know, I say all that to say, I, you know, I do, I like getting around other people and letting some things rub off on. There's people out there that just motivate me to love more. There's preachers that I know that, um, their main thing is just preaching on prayer, but I like getting around that sometimes. Because it motivates me to want to pray more. You know, there's people, you know, some on the soul winning, some on family. There's, you know, there's things that we can glean from all of our brothers. And, you know, I want that. And just because I have a disagreement with them somewhere, I'm not going to throw them under the bus. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not just going to throw all my pre-trib friends under the bus because I dis- disagree with them on Bible prophecy. They got a lot going for them, too. And I, I, I want to be around these people. I want to fellowship with these people. Okay? I'm not going to go to their prophecy conference. I'm not going to that. But there's a lot that I can get from them. And uh, I, want, I want some things that they do to rub off on me. Uh, Romans 16.3 says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches. Of the Gentiles. You know what? This Priscilla and Aquila, they had helped Paul, and their their work was a blessing to where all the churches of the Gentiles were thankful for. For the for the things that they had done. And you know what? We need to encourage those who are a blessing to us. And I'm thankful for those that are a blessing to us. And you know what? I, I want to I want to be able to be open about it and thankful. You know, I, I'm sick of this idea. That too, and, and I hate this, and it's like this across the board in the IFB world, but it's like you say anything positive about somebody that's from the wrong camp, they throw a huge fit. I've been dealing with that for years, and that's wrong. And, and, and you know, the IFB, we, uh, I've, I, so I've been studying IFB, a lot of the history about the IFB, and it's amazing how much splitting goes on in the IFB, and just fighting over weird things, it's it's a very common thing. It's just kind of how it's always been, and I, I you know I don't necessarily care for all that. But uh, you know this you know this thing where I can't even say somebody's name, I can't post something, share something to somebody without it just being an international incident is super weird. It's super weird. I think, and I don't I don't like it one bit. But you know we we need to be able to do that. I shouldn't have to. We shouldn't have to have soulening events with other churches where we're not allowed to say anything online about it. And let me just say, when we've had those events where we weren't allowed to say anything online, we didn't do it to protect us, we did it to protect them. It wasn't for our protection. I don't care. I'll deal with the backlash. I'll deal with the people you know, trying to throw the pastor in hell and all that stuff. I'll deal with all that. But at the same time, I don't like asking people, you know, because they're nice to me and like me. You know, I, I, I feel bad asking people to jump in the middle of something really stupid. You know, I, I don't want I don't want to do that, but it, it shouldn't be that way. But that's the way it is. I can tell you right now, we're going to mind our own business when it comes to you know what church is hanging out with what church and you know who's preaching for who. I, I, we got better things to do. We got better things to do. Not real worried about that. You know what we're going to try to do? We're going to try to be blessing to other churches. Proverbs seventeen fourteen says the beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Therefore, leave off contention. Before it be meddled with, we there's things that we don't want to get involved in. It's just going to cause trouble. We need to try to be a blessing. That should be our goal. If we if we see somebody out there, we're like, man, these are our brothers. We should want to encourage them. That's one of the reasons too. Whenever we're traveling, I like visiting other churches. You know why? Because I'm a pastor and I know 
that it's always a blessing when you get visitors. And anytime I've got an opportunity to just go to a random church and just be a blessing, especially when you've got a big family too. You know, we, what pastor doesn't like 10 visitors at their service? You know, that, that's always a blessing. And you can do that too. You, you know, whenever you go and you're visiting these other churches, it's a blessing. You know, it, it means a lot to people. And I, you know, I want to do that. I, I know how it feels. I know what it's like. And if they're my brother, then I'm glad to do that. I'm not looking to get anything out of it. You know, when I go to visit other churches, I'm not there passing out my YouTube cards and trying to expand my YouTube channel and my, you know, I'm not, you know, the things that people get accused of, of just, you know, kissing up, trying to move up the ranks. And it's just like, are you serious? And and anybody that's ever accused me of that just does not know me. Because again, I have a long history of just fellowshipping with people. It's what I do. I like doing it. Almost every IFB church in Illinois, they know me. And not because of YouTube. Before YouTube, because I have always fellowshiped. Now, I've never preached at the big big conferences and big meetings. I've never been one of the speakers for that. I was just one of the attendees. And I was there. And one of the main reasons I've ever gone to these conferences, because you know, I'm just, I'm just going to say this right now. Okay, A lot of these people throw me under the bus anyway, so it doesn't matter. But in a lot of these IFB conferences, the preaching stinks. It's not that good. It's just, some of it's pretty lame. But you know what? I never went to those conferences so much for the preaching. I went for the fellowship. I love getting around the other pastors and getting around my friends at these meetings. And that was the best part. Any conference that I ever went to, I won't name some of the ones around here. Any of the conferences I ever went to around here, the best part was the fellowship. And and some of the preaching was pretty good. You know, some of the preaching was pretty good, but the fellowship was the best part. I've always done that. I've always been a part of that. I like to fellowship with people. That's just, it, it's who I am. And I just want to encourage people. And, you know, even when it comes to, uh, you know, the new IFB, you know, one of the only reasons I ever got in, involved in that is because I liked what they were doing. I liked the works. I liked the preaching. I liked the doctrine. And I just wanted to encourage them. Hey, there's a pastor out here in Illinois that doesn't, Think you guys are heretics. Now, here's a pastor in Illinois that's thankful for what you're doing, while other pastors are all running running these guys down all the time. I got tired of hearing that. You know, I just I just wanted to throw them some encouragement. I wasn't trying to get anything, you know. And it doesn't mean I'm exact. You know, I wasn't trying to pretend I'm exactly like them. I'm not exactly like anybody. That's it, it, not how it is. And and you know, and now said so in the old IFB. You know, because of some of the connections I have, I mean, some, there's IFB preachers that can't even take a compliment from me, a private compliment. I privately, I privately complicated, or complicated, complimented. I privately complimented a pastor one time on his book that I read, and all I all I did sent a message. Hey, I've been reading your book. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you for the work. You know, when somebody writes a book. They like to think people are out there reading it. I wanted this guy to know, hey, I'm reading your book. It's been a blessing. It's been good. Just trying to throw a blessing back at him. And you know what he did? Well, I'm glad you like the book, but you probably wouldn't like what I think about, you know, so-and-so. And he started, you know, I didn't even know he knew who I was. And he just wants to start hammering me for all my friends. We just tried to go to a conference earlier this year from a guy from the same college. Everybody from this college, they, they all hate me. I don't know why. They hated me before I was ever involved with the new IFB. They all hated me. I don't know why. I've always liked them. They've always hated me. I think they only like people from their college. All we wanted to do, we were thankful for the stand he took in Chicago, and we just wanted to encourage him. We heard he had a meeting going on there. Brother Austin contacted him, said, hey, you know, we're wanting to come. We were going to take a group of guys. We're going to go down there and listen to preaching. And he pretty much told us not to come because of who we're involved with. Are you serious? And let me tell you something. People, I don't care whatever. I don't want to fellowship with people like that. And I, and I wasn't even looking. To, I was just looking to encourage them. That's all I wanted to do. And you all know that. Some of you all were planning on going. All we wanted to do, hey, we were like, man, that's awesome. That's good they did that. I'm glad he stood up to Lori Lightfoot. Let's go be an encouragement. That's what we wanted to do. Are we going to recruit them to anything? That's what everybody, you know, that's what all these guys, you know, the old IFB guys like, I'm trying, I'm trying to recruit people and stuff like that. 
And even in the new office, they've accused me of trying to uh, recruit people. It's like, I'm not trying to recruit anybody. I'm trying to encourage people. Uh, that's, that's what I'm interested in doing. I want to encourage people. You know why? Because I love my brothers. I love them. And so our priority should always be this church. We should never sacrifice this local church to promote a movement and or and you know, or get sidetracked with a movement to where we neglect what's really important. That's right here. This is our priority. Liberty Baptist Church, Rock Falls, is our priority. But you know what? Anytime we have an opportunity to be a blessing to our brothers, we ought to do it. We ought to increase in love towards our brothers. We don't need to necessarily stick our nose in everything they're doing and watch every little thing. And you know, but you know, it's okay to pay attention and to pray for them and to you know send encouragement and be a blessing. It's okay to do that kind of thing. And 2020 has been the ultimate proof to me that churches should be independent and not a part of denominations. We always knew that, but I know it even more now. And in 2020, you know, we did exactly what we needed to do as a church the whole year. And you know what? God blessed greatly. And what we needed to, what needed to be done in other churches, though, might not have needed to be done here. And while it would have been a lot easier to just take orders from somebody, you know, talk to a pope somewhere, let him tell us what to do, you know what? It would have hurt families in our church if we'd have done that because Nobody outside of this church can judge the, accurately what needs to be done for this church. Only we can do that. And that's why we've been called to be autonomous. And that is why we are independent. It doesn't mean we want to live on an island. It doesn't mean we don't ever want to talk to anybody or have any guest speakers or any fellowship with anything like that. No, but it, it does, you know, we do want to increase in love, but we got to make sure we keep the priority where it belongs on this church. And so, with that, let's close the word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Dear God, we do. We thank you uh, for just all those churches, Lord, all our brothers that are out there. This has been a tough year, but Lord, uh, churches, they've been out there. They've been winning souls. They've been preaching the word. They've been standing strong, uh, fighting for right doctrine and doing a lot of great things. And Lord, while we might not always agree with everything that goes on, we do, uh, we do love these people. Uh, we're thankful for them. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you will help Liberty Baptist Church to be a church that is an encouragement to other churches. I pray that uh, we will provoke others to do right. And, and Lord, I pray you'll help us to focus on what you've called us to do when it comes to other churches and just to increase in love. And I pray that we'll show that in a real way. And we will, at the same time, mind our own business and concentrate on what you have us to do here. In your name we pray. Amen.